you give that hand clap to the Lord tonight? Would you, would you do that? And thank you for your honor. But would you just give that to the Lord? Come on, would you lift your voice in this place? Would you give God a shout? I, I haven't been in the pulpit tonight to ask you to, to worship, but I'm asking you right now, would you just shout unto the Lord? Would you just honor Him tonight? I think I've been here long enough. I've gotten a little bit of the Jordan tear thing going on, perhaps. Thank you, Pastor, for those kind words. And I want to say to you in this church, it, it is an honor to serve. Not only an honor to serve you, but it's great and an honor to serve you, my pastor. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Don't you love Pastor tonight? Couldn't think of a... I couldn't think of a better man to serve under, and I am so honored, and I, re I realize that many guys in my position would love to be where I'm at. They'd love to serve uh, a church like this, and they would love to serve a pastor and pastor's wife like we have and that we are blessed with. Come on, that ought to get a big amen tonight. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and say it calls that have come in, whether whatever, but uh, that has also been on the other foot, and they have given their life and their ministry to this church, and to you, and to your family, because they are, they are sold out to CLC, and I'm happy to have them. We have the best. Amen. Wow, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say tonight. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do tonight. I don't, I'm going to. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter number 2. And if you weren't at Lebanon today, Pastor Spencer preached a fantastic message. Love and appreciate him and the work. Love, I love all these boys. Dylan and Gentry, I'm proud of them. Proud to be their uncle. Proud to see what God's doing in their lives and their ministry. Ephesians chapter 2. When I give you my title tonight, some of you may scratch your head uh, for a moment. But I promise it will make sense to you in just, in just a moment. Ephesians 2 verse number 1. And the Bible says, and you hath he quickened, who were dead, everybody say dead, dead. in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. 
among whom also we all had our convert conversation rather in times past in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others it's our nature verse number four but God I could stop there but God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Aren't you glad that there's a God that loves you? Aren't you glad that there's a God that's concerned about you? Verse number 5. I hope I can get through this tonight. Even when we were dead in our sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are we saved. Somebody say, by grace are we saved. And I want to preach to you. Now listen, I'm going to throw my wife under the bus tonight. I'm in the bathroom getting ready, putting the finishing touches on my hair tonight. My wife said, babe, what are you preaching? I told her what I was preaching. She said, sounds good. And uh, how long will you be preaching tonight? She said, last time you were a little long-winded. And I said, well, babe, I will preach however long it takes. And she said, she said, what will be your maximum tonight? Now, I gave her an answer, but I'm not telling you in case I don't make it. Fair enough? Oh, Lord. Anybody got a couch open tonight that I can stay? Or No, okay. Thank you, Brother Spangler. He and I are in the same boat often. I want to preach in all seriousness on this subject. We are revenant. We are revenant. Now, I know that some of you are going to sit down and pull out your phone and Google what that word means, but don't do that just yet, all right? I will make it clear to you in just a minute. Put your Bibles down. Put your hands in the air. God, I need you right now. God, I pray that you unlock things in the Spirit tonight. God, I pray that you unlock the operations of the gift of the Spirit. God, I pray that you would unlock prophetic utterance in this place tonight. God, and I pray that your anointing would rest upon your messenger, God. God, I need you. I can't do it without you. I'm asking you to cover me right now. God, I'm asking you to anoint me right now. I feel your spirit in this place, and I feel your anointing in this house. God, let your word go forth and accomplish that for which you have sent it. God, don't let your, ear, your word fall on deaf ears, but God, open our ears, open our minds to understand, and open our hearts to receive your word tonight. 
In Jesus' name, and everyone shout amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor as you're seated and say, you are revenant. You may be seated. Pastor said, I'm not sure if you are or not. I'm not. I'm glad that I'm part of a church whose steps are ordered of the Lord. And I'm glad to be part of a ministry team that I know without a shadow of a doubt our steps are ordered of the Lord. The Bible tells us that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Listen to me. I'm 41 years old. I have watched in my life, I've watched God order my steps by by way of things that I've had to go through and I've questioned and I've complained and I've I've talked to God and I've I've fallen on my face and didn't understand why I had to go through some of the things that I've had to go through and yes even very recently going through some things that I just did not understand but I knew that God was ordering my steps The issue is with us and God ordering our steps is that sometimes we want to tell God how we want our steps ordered. We tell Him where we want our feet to fall. We tell Him what path that we want to take. And we want it our way right away and right now. Sometimes God orders your steps in a different direction that you thought you ought to be going because He's got to change some things in you. Sometimes God causes you to go through some things and He causes your path to be a rocky path full of footfalls and full of enemy snares just to teach you a lesson that He is God and He has got everything in control and you don't have to worry about it because God is ordering your steps. We say that we want, to God, we want God to order our steps But we want to tell him how. We want to, we want the proverbial writing on the wall. We know that God's got a place for us to go, but we want him to tell us where we got to go. And he wants to, uh, we want him to tell us the path that we're going to have to take. And we want him to reveal his plan to us. But the issue is tonight that we, that we want to tell God how we want things to work in our life. The issue is, is that we want a sign of where we're going before we ever get there. The issue with the church, may I say tonight, is that too many seek a sign when no sign shall be given. We get worried when the sign doesn't precede us. We get worried when the the road map doesn't precede us. But my Bible tells me that these signs shall Follow them that believe. It never said that these signs would precede you. But the Bible says that these signs will follow you. Signs will follow when we choose to go. But the church must understand tonight that signs will follow when we 
are obedient to the Word of God. Listen, I am so thankful for the team that is leading the church in Lebanon. I haven't had an opportunity to say much about it, but I'm so proud of Pastor Spencer. I'm so proud of his team that are leading the charge in Lebanon. There's God is ordering the steps of CLC Frankfurt, and He is ordering the steps of CLC Lebanon. And some may wonder where we are going and why we are doing these things. And some may be even predicting the demise of of the church and what we're trying to do. But I've come to this place tonight to stand in this pulpit and tell you that this is our finest hour. There has never been a greater church. There has never been a greater revival. There has never been greater power loosed in the church. There's never been a greater anointing. And there has never been a greater authority that God has placed on the church. Too many have rejoiced over and have predicted the demise of what God has breathed His very breath into. But I've I've come to serve the enemy notice tonight that we, the church, are still here. You thought you might take us out. You thought you would cause us to backbite one another and cause the church to, to, to become dead, to become desolate. But I've come to serve him notice tonight that we are still here. The church is still alive and well. The church is still here. I want to preach to you tonight that we are revenant. Listen, I'm not saying that, I'm not preaching a message entitled, We Are Relevant. Maybe some would follow more with, with a title like that, or if I preach that kind of, I, I, it, I, and I think, and I, Pastor agrees, I think that we ought to be relevant with our times. Listen, our message must not change, but sometimes our tactics got to change. So we should, we should be relevant with the time. But I didn't come to preach to you about being relevant, but I come to preach to you about being revenant. I looked it up in Webster Dictionary, and the definition of the word relevant is simply one who was assumed to be dead. Only to come back to life after a long, after a long time out, after a long arduous journey. To be revenant means to be having been assumed to be dead when you are very much alive. I want to preach to a revenant church tonight. The, the, the devil, the world wants to, want, wants to say that the church is dying. But I've come to tell you tonight that the church is very alive. That the church is not dying. The church is not in decline. But the church is facing its finest hour. So I say, as the church, that we are revenant. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are revenant. You see, people 
counted us out and said that we would never make it. People counted you out and said that you would never make it and that you would never amount to anything. The enemy thought he had taken you out for good with that accident or he thought he'd taken you out with that sickness. I I, I want to declare tonight in the face of adversity, I want to declare to you that we are still here and that we are still alive. Some may have written us off The enemy thought he took you out, but you need to serve him notice tonight that you are still here. I want to declare that tonight. And I want to declare that in the latter part of this year, 2017, and I and, and you call it a prophecy, you call it whatever you want, but in the year of 2018, it's going to be a year that we are going to go into the enemy's camp and we're going to take everything that he has robbed from us. We're going to take our families back. We're going to take our city back. We're going to take that ministry back that the enemy has tried to steal. Come on, somebody needs to stand on that promise tonight. It's going to be a year of increase. It's going to be a year that that we're going to take back some things that belong to us. Too long the enemy's had your family. Too long he's had your children. Too long he's had your peace. He's had your joy. He's had your rest. But I'm going to tell you tonight that it's about to turn around because we are revenants. He thought he had us. He thought he had us. Come on, he thought he had you. He thought he had you. He's thrown everything at you that he could throw at you. He's tried to take everything from you that you had. He's tried to disrupt your family. He's tried to disrupt your relationship. But I'm here to tell him tonight that no more, no more are you to touch us. No more are we going to give you room to work in our lives, in our homes, in our families. But devil, we're coming for you tonight. Devil, We're here to serve you. Notice that we're still here. Clap your hands to the Lord. Dylan, we're here. Dylan, you're here. You're here. He tried to take you out. He tried, he tried to take everything from you. He tried to cause you to be depressed. He tried to cause you to just give up and throw in the towel. But you're still here. And in the name of Jesus, you will be healed fully and completely by the power, the authority of the Word of God. He shut Last time I preached to you, (laughs) come on, somebody, worship the Lord in this house. Come on, somebody, 
Give God praise for what he's about to do. Give God praise for what he's about to do in your life. Give him praise for what he's about to do in the in this life of your spouse. Give him praise because he is bringing you peace back into your life. Oh. Last time I preached to you, I told you a story that some of you knew. Many of you didn't know about when I was 17 years old and, and in Bible college. And I had a gun that was pointed at my head that was loaded, that was unloaded rather just moments before that when the hammer was cocked and the, and the trigger was pulled and my life should have been snuffed out from me. I told you that story, and it was just a, a couple weeks later that we had, we had a, a, a blowout service, and I was walking, and I thought, my God, I am so thankful to be in a service like this. And then it all of a sudden hit me that the enemy had different plans for my life, that he wanted to stuff my, snuff my life out from me at a very young age. And all I could do, Brother Phil Koonsman, was march around this it march around this sanctuary. I stopped at Nancy Irons. I said, guess what, Sister Nancy? I'm still here. And I looked at Scott, who just the same year, the devil tried to take you out. And I looked at him. I said, Scotty, you know what's awesome? We're still here. He gave... He gave it his best shot, but he failed. He fell short of what God wanted to do in my life. We're still here. Be seated. I better go or I'm never going to make it. You're still not going to know how much time I got. Genesis chapter 37, we read the account of Joseph who at 17 years of age was sold into slavery by his brothers who sought to take his life. They wanted to destroy him at any cost. They just were cowards and didn't want his blood on their hand. So they thought, well, we'll, 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 just, we'll just throw him in a pit. And if he doesn't die, then, then we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens then. But along came a man who was looking for, to, for someone to purchase to be a servant. So they sold Joseph into slavery. Thinking that it would be his utter demise. Jacob... His father, we know the story. He loved Joseph more than his brothers. Joseph was his pride and joy because Joseph was the son of his elder years. But the Bible tells us that Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brothers. He said, we were binding sheaves in the field and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaf stood round about and made obedience to my sheaf. They hated Joseph at the very thought that they would ever have to bow down or they would ever have to pledge their allegiance or, or they would ever have to look at Joseph as their leader. But Joseph dreamed yet another dream. 
that, and he brought, that brought the rebuke of his father who favored Joseph already, but he rebuked him and his brother sold him into slavery. And now Joseph finds himself no longer in his homeland of Canaan, but he is now in Egypt and he is in the house of Potiphar and was made an overseer of Potiphar's house. You see, Jacob, back in the land of Canaan, thought Joseph was dead. The story was constructed so well that Jacob thought that Joseph's life had been taken by a wild animal. He's in Potiphar's house and he's wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. And now Joseph finds himself in an Egyptian prison. And you know the story. Joseph is called upon to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh and then finds favor in Pharaoh and is made a ruler over Egypt. He is promoted to a position of influence while his family encounter famine in the land of Canaan. You see that the the revenant son of Jacob would be the very salvation for his own family. God turned his situation around so that Joseph would be the salvation and he would be the only reason that his family would survive the famine. They meant you harm by what they did or by what they said about you. But God wants to turn your hurt into a a, a, a lifeline that will save the life of someone else. They tried their best to remove him from the picture, but God only caused his dreams to come to pass. And I want to speak to you tonight. And tell you that you thought that you were going to escape the pit only to find yourself dying and rotting in a prison cell under years of bondage. You thought you thought you thought you had escaped the pit and everything was gonna be just grand, and then you find yourself in bondage. You find yourself in the most hopeless of places, and the enemy spoke into your life, and he spoke into your ear, and he said, I got you right where I want you. And day in and day out, He told you, He reminded you of your situation. He reminded you that you were going to die in that bondage. He reminded you that you would never make it out of that prison cell. But I'm here to tell you tonight that just as Joseph escaped the the inevitable death of a prison cell, God too is going to bring you out. God is going to elevate you to a place of it. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. He's going to elevate you to a place and a position that is much higher than you thought you would ever reach because God is about to turn your situation around and work it out for your good. Somebody give God glory for that tonight. Let me go ahead and add that when you come out, 
You just might be the lifeline of the one that puts you in. That when you come out, that your, 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 your life may be the life-saving force for the one that, back, that was biting your back, that was talking against you, that was, that was trying to, to take you out. But God is about to turn your situation around, and He is about to place you in a place of authority over those that have accused you, those that have talked about you, those that have tried to snuff your life out. Moving quickly. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. You see, God is conditioning you for what you're about to go through. I want to tell somebody tonight that God is conditioning you for what you're about to face. And they wouldn't eat the king's meat. That was being offered to idols. They were thrown into a fiery furnace that was heated seven times hotter than normal. Their bounds, the bonds that they had bound them with, fell off when they were thrown into the fire. And, and, and you know the story. They find themselves. They, they, the, the king said, I, I want you to bow. And they said, no, king. No, no, we're not going to do that. And he said, no, you, you will do that. Or you'll face certain death. And they're like, King, then you will do whatever you have to do. You go ahead, Brother Brandon, and, and you do what you have to do. But I'm telling you that we are not going to bow. I, I, I'm, I'm not bowing to an idol. And I, I, I'm not doing any of that, King Nebuchadnezzar. I, I, I mean no disrespect to you. But I'm not going to bow. So they bound them. They threw them into the furnace. And something happened in the fire. When they should have been killed. When they should have been burnt alive. When they should have never been able to escape the flames. Something happened in the furnace that nobody expected. The king went to his men and he said, did we not throw three in the fire? Yes, king, we threw three in the fire. Did you bind those boys? Yes, king, we bound the boys. So we threw three in the fire, right, guys? Yes, king. We threw three in the fire. He said, I just went down to look to make sure. And I know that we put three in there, but I see four men in the fire. And the fourth one has the liking of the Son of God. Listen to me tonight. That I've, come to, I've come to declare tonight that God has conditioned you for the fire. That God has equipped you for the fire. God has equipped you for the test. God has equipped you for the trial that you're about to face. They came out. The king said, pull them out of the fire. Because they're definitely not dead. They came out of the fire. 
If it would have been me, I'd have had a cocky grin on my face. I'd have been like, dude, you got anything better than that? They came out. And here's what I want you to notice. That their clothes were not burnt. Their hair was not singed. There was not even the fragrance of smoke attached to their clothing or to their body. They did not even smell like they had ever been in the fire. Listen, they thought it was over. They thought death was imminent. What what they did not know is that God had conditioned them for the fire that they were about to face. God has conditioned you for your situation. He has equipped you for what you're going through. You think that the devil is going to take you out with one more attack. You You think that if I face one more thing, That's going to be the end. But I'm here to tell you tonight that you can withstand the attack of the enemy because God has equipped you for what the devil wants to do to harm you. Somebody say, he's equipped me. Somebody say, he's conditioned me. Well, you say, well, how do you know that? Brother Danny, how do, you, how do you know? Because if he hadn't conditioned you, if he had not equipped you, you would have already lost your mind. If he had not equipped you, then you would have already thrown in the towel. If he had not equipped you, it would have already taken you out. But you are still in this place tonight, and you are revenant. They thought you were dead. He thought he had taken you out in the fire. But you are coming out, and you don't even smell like smoke. You don't even look like you've been in the fight for your life. You would have already lost your mind because if someone else would have gone through what you've gone through who wasn't equipped, they would have already lost their mind. They would have already thrown in the towel. They would have already given up. But God has conditioned you. He cares enough about you to equip you for what you are going through. Babe, am I doing okay? Okay. Just check it. I am in trouble. So much trouble. Listen. In order for us to be revenant, that means that there has to at some point be a conversion from death back to life. You hear me? In order for us to be revenant, not relevant, revenant, there has to be a very real conversion from death to life. My God, I'm about to preach tonight. 
I, I, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel, I feel the anointing and the unction of the Holy Ghost stronger than I have felt in a long time. And I believe that I'm speaking to someone tonight who you, who you are, you're at a place of death. You are a place where you were, where everybody has counted you out, where everybody has said they are finished. But I'm telling you tonight that you are about to come out and people are going to look at you and say, I thought you were dead. You say, yeah, but I'm revenant. You thought I was dead. But I'm very much alive. Saul is on the road to Damascus. Saul, the persecutor of Christians, the disciples. He persecuted and he authorized the arrest of any followers of Jesus. In the city of Damascus. And he finds himself on his way to Damascus when he encounters a light. When he encounters something that he has never come in contact with before. The Bible says that a great light shone on Saul so great that it blinded him temporarily. I'm not talking about for just a moment, but I'm talking about for quite a while that Saul was not able to even see because of the light that he encountered on the road to Damascus. The Lord speaks to him as he's in that place of blindness, and he said, Saul, Why persecutest thou me? Saul says, Who art thou, Lord? And the voice answers, he said, Saul, I'm Jesus, whom you have persecuted. I know what you've done. I know what you're doing. I know why you're going to Damascus. I know your plan. I know what you have in your heart. But Saul, I'm here to change your mind. And Saul goes on to say, Lord, what will you have me to do? What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go to Damascus. I want you to go ahead and go on your trip. And Saul goes to Damascus and for three days, for three days, He can't see. He does not even eat a bite of food or takes a drink of water for three days. Why did he do that? Because he had an encounter on a road to Damascus. We read on and we know the story well that God changed something in Saul at that very moment. That there was a conversion There was a conversion that happened on the road to Damascus when he was going to persecute, when he was going to arrest, when he is going to throw someone in prison for preaching the gospel. And he goes on to go on to Damascus and they did not even recognize him. They sought his life. They thought he had lost his mind. 
And God on that road under that light, he takes something in Saul and he begins to he begins to rework some things and he begins to change some things. He begins to soften a hard heart and God changes Saul's name to Paul, the disciple, one of God's greatest followers. He was a persecutor of the of the Christians. He was a persecutor of Jesus. And God converted him and he changed his very existence. What I want to tell you tonight, that, that in order to be re- re- revenant, in order to come back from what someone supposed you to be dead, that there is going to have to be a conversion somewhere on a lonely road to a city called Damascus. There, God's going to have to change some things in you in order to breathe life back into your death dead body. You're dead in your trespasses. You are dead in a pit of sin. You are dead because you are a persecutor. But God's saying, I want to change some things in you. I want to I want to go ahead and give you life. I know that you're dead. I know that you're full of sin. And the Bible says that the wages of sin God wants to bring life into you. I'm speaking to somebody here tonight. You're dead in your trespasses. You're dead traveling on a lonely road to Damascus. You've got other plans for your life. You, 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 you're going to live it up. You want to you, you go ahead and live your life any way that you want to. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God has a different plan for you. That God wants to give you life. That God wants to convert you from who you are to, to who he wants you to be. He wants to convert you from the dead man walking to a man who's very much alive. That people will look at and say, what happened to you? And you can say, God convert in me. God changed some things in me. God breathed into my nostrils the breath of life. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. You see the issue with modern religion is that there's an absence of conversion. People all over the world today, this day, were accepting the Lord as their Savior. You see, they're going and they're making decisions. They're making a decision, but there is never a conversion. You listen to me. Salvation will cause you to, and it will call for change in your life. When the Spirit of God comes into your heart, it will cause you to change. Come on, am I in an apostolic church? When the Spirit of God 
fills a soul with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that calls for a conversion. It calls for a change. And, and, and I'm wanting to tell you tonight that whoever you are in this place, that God wants to convert you, that God wants to change you, and God wants to give you life. It's much more than just making a decision to pray a prayer. There's got to be conversion. God baptize us tonight. God baptize us tonight with your spirit. Baptize us with a fresh fire. Baptize us with life tonight, God. God, if we are on the fence, God, I pray that you convert us tonight. If we are living as a dead man walking, God, I pray that you baptize us with a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost and that before we leave this place tonight, that we are converted into what you want us to be. I'm closing tonight. The last point that I want to make to you tonight is that sometimes we have to prophesy to the valley full of bones. You hear me tonight? Sometimes we have to speak to our situation. Sometimes we got to stand up and speak to things as though they were. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we find ourselves full of dead man's bones, Brother Bollinger. Sometimes we find ourselves in a pit. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place that we never intended to go. In a place that we never intended to be in. And sometimes our only way out is to stand and declare, Thus saith the Lord. Sometimes the only thing that works is declaring the word of the Lord. I wish I had somebody that believed that tonight. I'm going to go ahead and say it again. Sometimes the only thing that we can do is declare the word of the Lord.
In Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel is carried away in the Spirit. Jordan, he found himself in a vision, whatever it is, he finds himself in a valley that's full of dead bones. A valley where there's no life. A valley where death had taken hold. And the Bible says that the bones had been there so long that they were dried up. And the Bible does not say that there were a few. But the Bible said that the valley was full. Everybody say full. Was full of dead man's bones. God asked Ezekiel a question. He said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Imagine God asking us, you're looking at death. You're looking at impossibility. You're not looking at someone who had just passed away that has some sort of hope for being revived. But you're talking about death that had set in so deep. He said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? I like what Ezekiel said in response. He said, oh Lord God, thou knowest. What Ezekiel is saying, he's saying, God, I, I, I don't really have any idea. I... I I don't know that this situation can turn around. I, I don't know if life can once again invade this valley. He said, oh God, thou knowest. What I want you to note here is that God then told Ezekiel. He said, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to the bones. He said, prophesy to that situation of death. And he said to tell those bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. He said, I want you to prophesy life back into those bones. And I can imagine what Ezekiel thought. He said, there's not even a body. There's not even a body to bring back to life. God said, prophesy. I was in the sanctuary in the wee hours of this morning. And I knew what I was feeling. Brother Duggar, I was walking up the center aisle. And I said, God, 
what do you want to do? God, what do you, what do you want me to say? What do you suppose, God, that I should do? As sure as I've ever heard the voice of God. He said, Danny, I want you to prophesy to the bones. I said, God, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I can. He said, Danny, I want you to prophesy and say, Hear ye the word of the Lord. And so I spent about an hour in here last night. And I prophesied to everything that I could think of to prophesy. I prophesied to every situation that I knew was going on in this church. I prophesied life back into dead bones. I prophesied life back into your home. I prophesied life back into your relationships. I said, God, I said, God, what if they don't believe me? God, what if it doesn't turn out? Anybody ever been there? What if it doesn't happen? What if I prophesy to the bones and they stay bones? God spoke to me. He said, just, you don't even know what you were saying today. You don't even know what you were saying. He said, just be obedient. Just follow my voice. And declare, hear ye the word of the Lord. And so I prophesied on about everything. I said, God, I prophesy right now that 2018 would be a year of increase. I said that 2018, I prophesied. That will be a year of the backslider. I prophesied that 2018 would be a year of revival like the church has never seen. I prophesied that CLC will be the hub of a mighty revival in the state and in the region of north central Indiana. So I tell you tonight, believe me, this is new territory for me. So I tell you tonight, hear ye 
the word of the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord. I prophesy to the dead bones tonight. I prophesy to the, to the situation tonight. I prophesy that your family will be saved. I prophesy that your relationship will be healed. I prophesy that God is about to give you the very desires of your heart. Somebody needs to hear ye the word of the Lord. God sent this preacher to you tonight to tell you that sometimes you have to prophesy to your situation. That sometimes you have to speak the word of the Lord over your children. Sometimes you have to speak the word of the Lord over your situation. Respond to what the Lord wants to do. Come on, that's it. Respond to the prophetic voice of the Lord. Somebody receive the word of the Lord tonight.